You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Amen. You can return to your seats and thank you for joining me in that. Every week we're going to spend some time in prayer during this series. We're starting a, a series called Sync today and it really is all about prayer and how do we pray and how do we, how do we uh, connect with God on that level. And, and so I want to start today, just how many of you guys have ever gone whitewater rafting? Anybody ever braved the rivers? And yeah, uh, this past year, my family and I went on a uh, whitewater adventure on the Colorado River. And uh, my wife, my kids, obviously a little nervous about that. Colorado River is probably you know, one of the most dangerous in the U.S. And so uh, we get there with some reservations, but we wanted to, you know, and some excitement, right? We wanted an adventure. So we get there and they go through the whole safety spiel, you know, and we get our vest on, life jackets, you know, and we jump in the boat. And, and as a dad, I've got four kids and my wife. And so there's three on this side of the boat and three on this side of the boat. And we're waiting for our guide to come. And, you know, the guide is the guy that you hope is really masculine and, and just really, you know, strong and burly and somebody that you think is going to be able to rescue your dying children if, if the, you know, the case, you know, presents itself, right? And so as we're waiting, you know, and I'm waiting and hoping for this kind of guy to show up, this little skinny 75-pound 20-year-old kid named Billy Jack shows up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to be saving his tail if, if anything bad happens. And so, uh, but he proceeds to jump in and he says, all right, guys, first thing you need to know, I want everybody to take their foot and I want you to jam it up underneath the boat right here. And we all do that. And he says, because when we hit the rapids, I don't want anybody to fall out. And we're like, oh my gosh, there's actually a chance that we might fall out. So we're even more nervous. And he goes through his safety spiel and he goes through the whole, you know, how to, how to paddle correctly and how to hold the paddle, you know, and off we go. And so we're on the, the smooth part of the river and he's like, all right, guys, I need everybody to practice. We need to, you know, when we're going down the rapids and going, you know, through all these dangerous things, we've got to be uh, together when we row. So he says, I want everybody to row on the count of three. Give me three good hard rows. Ready? One, two. And I'm telling you, as soon as he hit one, it was one, two. We spun in a complete 360 in the water. And he was like, guys, guys, that is not good. We cannot be spinning going down these rapids. If we hit one of these rapids sideways or backwards, we're going to flip and it's going to be a disaster. We can't do that. So he says, all right, Bryson, that's my son. He said, Bryson, you're in the front left. You're going to be the leader. You're going to be the guide. We're going to, you're going to set the pace for our, um, our, our trip. So he goes, all right, give me three more paddles. Ready? One, right? And so here's my paddle. Here's my eight-year-old uh, and, and her paddle, Right? And then here's, you know, the other kids are, so immediately we're like hitting paddles and splashing each other, turned into a big splash fight. And the next thing we know, we're hung up in a tree on the side of the river. <laughs> and he's like, again, guys, this cannot happen. We got to get this together. And so we spent the next several minutes getting in sync together as a family in the boat so that we're going straight and we're going in the direction that we need to go so that we can enjoy the trip and survive the rapids, right? And sure enough, we did, and we didn't, we didn't have any issues. But I just think about that as, as life, because as it relates to your spiritual life today, there are probably some people in the room who would say that you feel out of sync with God. You come in here today and you feel kind of alone or separated or isolated from God. The truth is you don't really know a lot about God. And, and uh, when, it, when it comes to prayer or anything like that, spiritual things like that, 
you just feel a little bit inadequate and you're not really versed and you don't really know what it means to pray or even have a relationship with Jesus. A lot of it is new to you. And, and so you come in today with, with so many struggles and things and it's like, man, I just feel out of sync. There's, there's maybe for you, you're a believer, but, but you, you, you've just kind of lost that passion and you've lost that energy to really know Jesus and to really grow and, and to really be connected to him. And so you just kind of feel out of sync spiritually today. And, and the reality is when you are spiritually out of sync and you're, you're going down the river of life, so to speak, and you hit adversity, you hit one of those class three rapids. If your life is out of sync with God and you hit that rapid, you're potentially just gonna flip the boat. And all of a sudden now you're in the water. And all of a sudden now you're floating down the river and you feel alone and you feel like you are drowning. And I realize that some of you are experiencing those emotions in that situation today, but I have really good news for you. And the really good news for you and I today is that the Bible specifically tells us how we can overcome that. That's good news. The Bible specifically shows us how you and I can not only be in sync with the Lord Jesus, but we can be connected in such a way that we have a dynamic, growing, passionate relationship with him. And the reality is we receive that through prayer. Now I know if you grew up in church and Sunday school, there, there were three answers that you could always give no matter what the teacher asked and you were gonna be right. That was either Jesus, read the Bible, or pray. And so it's like, yeah, we know, Trent. Yeah, we need to pray more. And, and anytime the pastor talks about prayer, everybody feels a little bit guilty because let's just admit it, we're not praying enough and we could always do better. And, and that really is the reality, right? I mean, we could always do better at prayer. I can't imagine somebody coming up to me and saying, hey, Trent, how's your prayer life? And my response being, you know what? It's going okay, but daggone it, I just pray too much. You know, I just pray without ceasing and it's just kind of getting in the way. Like that never is going to happen, is it? It's never going to happen for you. It's never going to happen for me. And so we always have room to grow as it relates to our prayer life. But this series isn't meant to make anybody feel guilty about how much they pray or, or don't pray. This series is all about how I can equip you to have a more powerful prayer life. And that's what we want to be about today. That's what we want to be about over the next uh, couple of weeks. And, and this is huge. And so if you've got your Bible Let's go to John chapter 15, and we're going to see what it looks like to have this connection with Jesus. And as you're turning there, we also have a lot of misconceptions as it relates to prayer. Uh, we have the wrong idea, really, of what prayer is really all about. And so uh, a few misconceptions that I think that we have is, first of all, when we come to God in prayer, we think it's kind of like going to the Grand Wizard and we get our Harry Potter wand out, you know, and it's like, all right, God, here's my wish list. And it's like, you know, abracadabra, wabow, you know, and it's like, all right, he's going to answer. And then he doesn't. And we get the wand back out and we're like, you know, abracadabra, here's my need, God, bam, come on, where's it at? And then obviously, you know, a couple of days go by and it's like, he's not answering. He's not doing anything. You may go days, you may go weeks, but if your mentality is that prayer is all about the magic wand and God is gonna just kind of boom and do everything you need him to do when you want him to do it, that's not what prayer is, is about at all. Perhaps some of you go to God in prayer only in emergency situations. And so for you, when anybody is hurt, when anybody's in the hospital, now all of a sudden, boom, now I've got a prayer request. Right? Other, other than emergency situations, people in the hospital, people sick, 
you don't really pray or you really don't know what to pray about. And so it's like, hey, how can I pray for you? Well, my Aunt Flossie's big toe is hurting her. You can pray for her, I guess. Like outside of that, like we, we're empty. We don't know. See, the reality is we, we definitely need to pray for Aunt Flossie's big toe and we need to pray for people that are sick and in the hospital. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's all our prayer life consists of, man, we've missed the whole point of what it means to be in a relationship that is growing with Jesus. Now, some people go to God in prayer like it's a religious game of chess. And so we go to God with this idea that I have to perform and do this and strategically go here and check that box. So it becomes a very legalistic way of viewing God. And I have to do this and do that. And if I give this and I serve that and I go here and I do that for the church or whatever, then God's going to answer my prayer. And so it's about checking all these boxes and and, and, and positioning ourselves in such a way that God has to answer our prayer. But that is not how prayer works. That is not how God wants us to relate to him. And so we have to realize that all of these ways, all of these misunderstanding uh, about prayer really comes down to this idea and, and, and approaches prayer motivated by how can I get things from God? How am I going to get things from him? And if that's your motivation, then you've completely missed what prayer is all about. You've missed the concept. You've missed the connection that God wants us to have and offers to us. And, and so the reality is what I want you to grasp today and for the next, uh, the next few weeks is that prayer is not how we get more things from God. Prayer is how we get more of God. And man, that is the prayer that we need more of God we need more of his son Jesus in our life. No matter what problem you brought into this room, the answer is Jesus. No matter what anxiety, no matter what struggle, no matter what relationship issue you have, no matter what financial problem you have today, the answer is more of Jesus. So how do we get more of him? And the answer is very simple. It's prayer. Now, as a church, we're entering a, a, a season that requires a lot of prayer. Uh, this is a huge transition for our church because we're doing something we've never done before. We're building a brand new auditorium. And so in the next few months, as we leave this room and we start meeting in this large facility next door, it's gonna feel different. It's gonna look different. And if we are not in sync with God in prayer, if we are not in sync with Jesus and his mission, then we will totally lose sight of what's going on and how, how it's going and and what we're doing, and, and a lot of issues are going to potentially rise up. And so we're reminded that the reason why we're building this facility next door is that we believe God is going to use that to meet needs in this city. More people will meet Jesus. More people will be connected to Jesus and grow in their relationship with him. So that's our motivation. That's the mission. That's the, the goal. And, and we need a lot of prayer right now to get our hearts right with the Lord. Uh, the next series that I'm going to do after these three weeks is, is a series about the vision here at Foothills Church and the direction that we're going and how we're going to accomplish it. And I'm going to start giving some specific dates as far as our building and catch you up to speed on some of the things that are going on uh, with that. And, and uh, I want everybody to understand the vision, get excited about the vision, and, and really make a commitment to that vision. And so that's going to be a huge series that we begin in the coming days. But today, let's focus on prayer. So in John chapter 15, this is Jesus speaking to us, and he says this in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now let's just pause right there. What, what does this mean? Like 
He says the father, his father, his heavenly father is the vine dresser. Now, what does the vine dresser even mean? Well, it means that the vine dresser or God, our father, is personally caring for every branch. You're a branch, right, in this analogy. And he says that he is personally caring for you. He is nurturing you. He's fertilizing uh, that growth. He's pruning you. And pruning is the adversity that comes into our life that God uses to grow us and help us to become more fruitful. He's protecting us. He knows what's going to make us more fruitful. So he is a caring, nurturing, heavenly father. And Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And this imagery goes back into the Old Testament where the, the, the vine or the grapevine is this, this image of, of the Israelite people. And so in Psalm chapter 80, verse 8, Israel is described as a vine that God brought out of Egypt and planted into the land of promise, the promised land. And so over the last few weeks, we've been in the book of Acts and we've been talking about how the gospel now, because of Jesus Christ, the new covenant is now offered to Gentiles, not just Jews, but to Gentiles. And so this imagery uh, flows all the way through the New Testament. Paul talks about how the, the, the Gentiles have been grafted into the vine. And now we are a part of that vineyard, that vine, that promise of God. And so this imagery is, is an extremely important part of the promises of God here. And so Jesus is saying, God, the heavenly father is the vine dresser. I'm the true vine. And here's what he says to the branches, you and me. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, here it is, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What he is saying here is that as we abide in him, as a branch would abide in a vine, it can grow, it can flourish. But if that branch is cut off from the vine, not only can it not produce fruit, but it dies and it withers. So he says, listen, we've got to consistently stay in sync with Jesus. We've got to abide in him. We've got to abide in his word. And that means we have an active growing relationship with him. That means that our prayer life exists and it is growing because apart from him, we are empty. Apart from him, we have no power. Apart from him, he literally says, you can do nothing. You can do nothing of eternal value. You can do nothing of eternal significance. You cannot solve the problems that are in your life today apart from Jesus Christ. So he says, abide in me, connect to me. I am the true vine. And so I would say that the way that we abide in Jesus is, is through our prayer life, through that growing relationship. A prayer life is the key. So what is prayer? And that's what I want to you know, hit on today. We're going to start you know, kind of with a, a broad idea and understanding of prayer. Next week, we're going to hone in a little bit further. And then the next week, we'll hone in with more application and, and dial in a little bit deeper. But let's start with what is prayer? And, and I would say and give three answers to that question today. And the first answer I would give is that prayer is a response to God. 
So when you pray, when I pray, it is our response to God. Now, a few things that we need to realize is that prayer is is an instinctual part of the human nature. Every human being has this natural instinct to pray. In fact, a 2004 study revealed that 30% of atheists admitted to praying regularly. (laughs) Isn't Isn't that interesting? It went on to show that 17% of non-believers in God pray regularly. Why? Well, because it's part of our nature. It's part of our DNA to reach out to a higher power in prayer in times of desperation, especially. Attempts to find a people group somewhere on the planet that does not pray has never been found. Every people group around the entire world, I don't care if it's in the deepest jungles of wherever, every people group discovered on record, has some form of prayer. Every religion teaches as part of its practice to habitually pray, to make that a part of their life. And and so we may, obviously we're not praying to the same God, but every religion calls for prayer. Now this is interesting because for for me, it's a reality that prayer is a natural part of our life. And, And John Calvin hit on this many years ago, the great reformer, He talked about the divinitatis sensum, and he said, and I quote, that there is within the human mind, and indeed by natural instinct, an awareness of divinity, an awareness of a God. And therefore, the seed of religion is planted in all. So what he's talking about is is what we read in Romans chapter 1, where God says that people through a general revelation by looking at creation, we know our conscience bears witness to this. We know that there must be a higher power. There must be a God. There is a God. In fact, it says in Romans 1 that God has implanted upon our conscience this knowledge, but we reject that knowledge. That's why, especially in America, we see so many different forms of morality and people have their idea of what morality is and you have your idea of morality and And that's all because we have this sense of what is right and wrong because God has written that upon our heart. But without God's truth and God's word, we don't know, in fact, what is the true way until God sheds that grace upon us through his son, Jesus. And so we see this, that this is a natural response. And so here it is, that no matter if you're an atheist or it doesn't matter if you're a non-believer today and, and, and you don't believe in Jesus at all, everybody has this instinctual desire to respond to a higher power, especially in times of need and respond to that creator. So prayer is our attempt to respond to this God. Now, what's interesting is Timothy Keller's definition of prayer. He says this, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace. So it's a, it's a continuing conversation, he says. In other words, we don't just pray once and, oh, we did that and we're done. No, it's a constant conversation. God wants to communicate and God is communicating to us constantly. That's why when we, I joked about it earlier, but when the Bible says pray without ceasing, it means that we can pray anytime, anywhere. So this is a continued conversation. I pick up from my last prayer today and I continue that conversation. God is always speaking to me. And so as he gives this definition, he's also reminding us that God started this conversation. And so God starts the conversation by making us aware, writing this upon our conscience that there is a God. And so he is speaking to us constantly. He has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. He has spoken to us through the words that he inspired men to write down for us, we call the Bible. And so God is speaking to us every day through his word. God speaks to us in a variety of different ways. And and as he is speaking, the question then becomes, okay, if prayer is a response, 
how am I responding to God today? And some of you might say, man, my response to God is, is I'm, I guess, if I was honest, I'm just kind of ignoring him. My response to God really is, I only really go to him when there's an emergency. You know, when somebody's in the hospital, something big is happening. Some of you might say, you know, my response to God has been pretty inconsistent. I'm kind of hit or miss. Maybe you would say, man, my, I respond to God every day in prayer and worship, and that's who I am, and God's growing me, and that's awesome. And I pray this continues to equip you and inspire you, but let's just re- be reminded that as an act of worship, prayer is our response to God, and we need to be aware of our response to him today. Secondly, prayer is a demonstration of my dependence upon God. So when we pray, we're basically demonstrating our dependence on God. We're saying, God, I need you. I I, I need you to help me in this situation. I need you in my life today. And, And the problem for us, though, is that we overestimate our ability all the time. We don't go to God in prayer because we think, God, I've got it. I don't need you in this. This is not a big deal. So I'm just going to do what I need to do and go and, and, and be a part of whatever. And I don't need you, God. But, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, if we are not faithfully in prayer with God, it's a demonstration of our lack of dependence on him. So when we talk about we want to make God the center of our life, is God the center of, of, of who you are and of your life? And are you worshiping him in spirit and truth? And we really can really look at our prayer life. And that really tells the tale, doesn't it? Because if, I am, if I'm not praying consistently, then I'm, I'm basically living through my own strength, my own power. And the words of Jesus are, you can do nothing that way. Don't fool yourself. You feel like you're getting a lot done, but you are producing nothing of eternal significance and value that he would deem worthy apart from him. So he says, abide in me, connect to me. He says, if you abide in me, If you abide in my words, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In other words, if you really put your dependence on Jesus, if you are seeking him in prayer, in worship, he's saying, I am going to give you whatever you need. Now, can we just pause for a second and recognize that that comment is an unbelievable comment. Are you kidding me? You're gonna give me what I need if I abide in you? I mean, to me, it kind of sounds like, you know, the whole wave your wand thing. Abide in me, check this, do that, and then boom, you know, you're going to get whatever you want. Some of you would say, you know, I prayed, I sought, but he didn't answer. He didn't come through. So what do you do with that? Well, that's why when you talk about prayer, it's not a one-week kind of thing. You got you to take at least three weeks to talk about it. We can talk about it all year, right? And so we're big picture today. We're going to dial it in over the coming days. I don't want you to miss the idea that that Scripture has to interpret Scripture. And so we don't just pull that verse out and say, oh, okay, I abide in him. And so I'm abiding in him. And now he's got to give me what I want. It doesn't work that way. Prayer is much deeper than that. It's not about what we can get from God, right? It's it's that we would get more of God. And so this is the point here. And, and, And listen, Remember who we're talking to here. God isn't sternly looking at you, you know, with the, with the evil eye, patting his finger, you know, and his foot waiting for you to pray. He's not that guy, right? I, I think about it in terms of, of me being a dad and I tell my kids to do something like go clean your room and they're on their phone and, and they're just watching their phone or watching TV and they don't move. 
You know, as a parent, you're like, I just told them to go, and they are just sitting there. They're, they're not doing, they're not obeying me. And, you know, you're starting to blood pressure rising, getting mad. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to wait. I'm going to give them a second. And then, you know, blood pressure continues to rise. And then the next thing you know, I'm giving the evil eye, you know, and I'm sternly looking at him or her. And I'm like, you better move or I'm about to deal with you, right? I mean, that's the stern. Then they see the stern look, and they're like, oh, gosh, dad's going to kill me. And then they go do what you do now. A lot of times we relate to God how we relate it to our Father. And so we've got to be, you know, be careful about that because God isn't sternly looking at you, patting his foot, giving you the evil eye to go pray. It's not how he responds. He is the God of the prodigal son. The prodigal son comes home after he's wasted his money, wasted his life in sinful living. And the prodigal father's dad is God running to the son with open arms to forgive him and throw a party that he's home. Right? And, and, and so, so that's the idea. And in fact, Jesus says, you know, very clearly in the book of Revelations, he teaches us that if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I will eat with you and you with me. He says, here I am. I stand at the door. I knock. And so Jesus is offering you. He's inviting you to experience him on a deeper level. He's inviting you to gain more wisdom in your life. He's inviting you to gain more power in your life. He's inviting you to to, to overcome the bondage of sin in your life. He's offering you the the keys to heaven. He is offering you this incredible relationship. And so our prayer is a demonstration of our dependence upon him. My third answer to that question, what is prayer, is that prayer is impossible without scripture. It's impossible without scripture. And by that, what I mean is you don't know how to pray without the scripture. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray unless you are immersed in the scriptures. And so we see examples of prayer all throughout the Bible. We see prayer modeled. And so we don't know anything about prayer unless we are actually in the word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that before I pray, I have to read a Bible verse every day or whatever. We can pray whenever and however, driving to work, you can pray. You can pray right before a meeting. You can pray anywhere. You can pray right now. And, and, and God hears and God uh, responds in that. But it, it does mean for us that we will be clueless about what prayer really is if we are not in the Word of God. Eugene Patterson makes this clear in his book, Answering God. And he makes a strong case that we only pray well if we are immersed in the scripture. He says, we learn our prayer vocabulary like our kids learn uh, how to speak by growing up and being around us and hearing the English language. You know, they hear us speak, we talk to them, we teach them words, and then they begin to communicate with us. And the same way we learn our prayer vocabulary by being in the word of God. So we see examples of prayer. We see what to pray for, how to pray, when to pray. All of these great things are taught in the scripture. And, and if you've ever read the, the, the Psalms, I mean, this is a, an, an entire prayer journal from a couple of guys who went through a lot in their life. And you read these Psalms and it's like, oh man, this is just a prayer. And so I, I try to incorporate that into my daily time with God every day. I, I read a Psalm and that puts me in the presence of, of what I need to pray for and what I need to be thankful for, and what I need to confess. Things like that all happen by understanding and, and, and looking at these prayers in the Bible. And uh, our staff meeting every Monday morning starts with reading a psalm. That puts us in the, in the right place to begin a, a prayer with the Lord. Um, our prayer life should always be immersed in the reading of God's word because that's how we know what to pray. And without it, we don't know what we're doing. And so without scripture, 
you tend to go right to asking God for what you want. You know, God, this is what I need, just kind of like your Christmas list, and you do little worship, you do little confession, you may pray for the emergency needs in your circle of friends. So uh, if there aren't any emergencies or miracles that you need, you just simply don't pray. And so this is why scripture is so valuable. It is so important to your prayer life. It guides and grows your prayer life. And so it goes hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, without it being out of whack and out of sync. So we need to sync that up, grow in that. Martin Luther was getting his hair cut one day by his barber, the great reformer and and uh, the barber said, how do you pray, Martin? And instead of just giving him, you know, a summary of how he prays, he wrote him a 40-page letter. <laughs> and so uh, you can go home and Google that and read that. But the best part about the letter for me as I read that is he, Martin Luther begins to talk about warming his heart um, uh, to the Spirit of God. And, and he says that you have to warm your heart to the Spirit through meditation on the Scriptures, He says, as you read the scriptures, then your heart begins to warm up to the things of God as you look at the text. So then after you read the text, then you go into prayer because you want to, not because you have to. You go into prayer because you want to praise God for the truth that you just saw in the text. You want to confess to God because of what you read in the text. Oh, That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing that. I'm actually doing really bad at that. God, I need to confess my sin in that area. And as you do that, the scriptures warm your heart to the spirit of God and that relationship grows and you have more power in your life and and more strength in your life and more emotional endurance and fortitude in your life because you realize that the spirit of God is alive and well and breathing and active within your very soul. I mean, this is the kind of relationship that your soul desires. So when your heart is warm, then you start to praise God. You start to confess. You start to worship. But if you are not in the scripture, then your heart will be cold. And your prayer life will consist of your wish list and what you want. And as I said, next week we're going to look. God already knows what you need. So maybe there's more to prayer than what we are actually living out today. It's not really engaging our hearts As we've studied the book of Acts, we've seen the early Christians, and we have seen them over the last several weeks, how committed they are to prayer. Man, they pray, and man, the earth shakes, and miracles happen. This group of early Christians, because of their prayer life, man, they are happy, they are joyful, they are enthusiastic about the gospel. Miracles are happening on a regular basis. It's amazing. We we see that, and we're like, man, why don't we experience that? And Maybe it's because we are not abiding in him. We're not abiding in Christ and his word and prayerfully engaging him in this relationship. But here's the reality. We can. We can change that. You can shift that and begin to pursue him like never before. And man, God's power will begin to exist in your life like never before. C.H. Spurgeon, great English pastor wrote, God never shuts his storehouses until you shut your mouth. And I love that because the storehouse of God, meaning the blessings of God, the riches of God, the grace of God, his storehouses are endless. They are never ending. His resources are beyond comprehension. And the only reason why you aren't experiencing the blessing and the riches and the grace of the Lord Jesus Perhaps it's because you've just shut your mouth. 
His door only shuts when you stop asking and pursuing and seeking. D.L. Moody once said, every great movement of God can be traced to a single praying, kneeling figure. Oh man, I long for the day when I could say with confidence that the 1,000 plus people in our church, almost 14, 1,500 people in our church would be this praying, single, kneeling figure on Sunday morning, but also at home and also at work, praying for a movement of God, praying for the Spirit of God to fall fresh upon us in worship, confessing sin, repenting of sin, turning our hearts after Him. Man, I think then and only then will we see the miracles that so many of us long to see. Because trust me, we need some miracles in this place. There are some marriages that are hanging by a thread and they need a miracle in their life. There are some people in our church who are sick, man. They have cancer. They, they're in the hospital. Their lives are in danger right now. They need a miracle and they need the body of Christ lifting them up in prayer. And they need to know that you're praying for them. Our church needs a miracle. We've got a really large building that is going up next door and we need to pay for that building. We need a miracle. Our city, our community was identified by our government as one of the top 10 counties that relates to drug addiction and drug abuse. That's a problem. We need a miracle. We need prescription drugs, methamphetamines to be destroyed in this city. We need a miracle. That's why we pray for a miracle. We need more land. What would it look like for God to bless us with more resources so that we could build this counseling center that I've been thinking about and praying about for, for several years? And what would it look like if we actually build it to take care of marital needs and emotional needs and those kinds of things, but, but also a drug rehab facility that would help our community who is obviously struggling with this to find Jesus and recover. We need a miracle. And we need a church that has a dynamic prayer life, calling out to God on a regular basis, abiding in him in prayer and worship, immersed in the scripture. I want our church to be a praying church because I know that a praying church is a holy church, is a committed church. It's an enthusiastic, passionate, worship-filled church. And folks, when you see prayers answered, that gets you jacked up. I mean, that is exciting. And we're seeing prayer answered all over the place. I was talking to some folks and just sent out an email and just said, hey, I need some, just tell me some ways that God is answering your prayer. And I got several. And one of them was from David Anderson in his small group. And he said that there was a, a woman in a small group who's been attending our church for three years. And her prayer has been, God, send me a good friend, a close friend. For three years, she prayed that prayer and it wasn't until recently she got into a small group and God provided that friend for her. And now they meet outside of that small group, they grab coffee, they pray together, they're encouraged by one another. And you know, God doesn't just answer your prayer because you pray at one time. Like this was a journey for her of growth. And, and so I encourage you, whatever that prayer is, continue to seek God, continue to pray and ask. God is listening and he will answer you in the right season. I was talking to Cheryl, Kevin Stoltenberg, and they had been praying for years. 
that through their infertility, God would bless them as parents and, and, and allow them to be parents. And they had people praying for them and they were praying and asking God for miracles and, and through all the various fertility things that they were going through, God didn't answer them. But can I tell you today that God did answer that prayer and today they are the proud parents of two adopted beautiful children. See, God answers he doesn't always answer the way in which you think he should answer and on the time frame that you think he should, but he is always on time. I was talking to uh, the Harpers as well, and, and in their small group, there was a, 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 a parents that <clears throat> were sending their kids off to college, their son to college. And, and if you've ever sent a child to college, you know that a lot of prayer needs to happen for that, right? And, and so they had in their minds that, that school A was the right school for their son. And so they were praying, God, help him to go to this school. And God, you know, this is the best school for him because of the, the spiritual climate and environment of that school. They felt like, you know, their kid was going to grow spiritually in that school. And so they were ultimately playing for their, their son's spiritual growth. And he chose school B, which was not the environment that they thought was going to be good for him. And and so, God, why didn't you answer our prayers? And God, why didn't you show up? And we knew this was it, and you didn't answer. And just recently, their son received Christ as Lord and Savior and was baptized because of the influences of school B. See, God is a, is a good God. He is a great God. And as you pursue him and as you seek him, he will give you the desires of your heart as you are abiding in him. It won't always happen when you think it needs to happen. And it won't always happen the way in which you thought it should happen. But praise God, he will always answer you at just the right time with just the right answer. So my challenge for you today is to take your prayer life to the next level. And so a couple of resources that we provided to help you do that. And the first one is this little card that is in your chair. If you want to grab that card and look at the verse that we put on the card. It's Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Now, Psalm 51, uh, 10 through 12 is like the top 10 verses every Christian needs to memorize in their lifetime. And so this is like, this is like the, one of the main verses. And, and so this is King David, who remember he had an affair and he murdered uh, the husband of the woman he had an affair with. And this is part of his prayer plea to God. He says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. You see, when we read this prayer, we learn so much. Now all of a sudden, it's just not an emergency or a magic wand. Now we see David saying, create a clean heart in me. Why is he saying that? Well, because I, my heart is evil, it's sinful. God, create in me a clean heart. That is now my prayer. He says, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Why? Because my spirit is prone to wander away from the God that loves me. My spirit is, is, is prone to succumb to temptation and to do things that are sinful and hurtful and harmful to myself and to others. So I need a willing, right spirit, God. Help me to be steadfast. He says, you read the scripture, now I know what to pray for. Now I'm on a deeper, more intimate level. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. Some of you, that's your prayer because you've lost your joy. You've lost your joy in God's church. You've lost your joy in a relationship with him, with God's people. You were hurt. You were offended. Whatever it was, you need to ask God to restore the joy of your salvation. And so my challenge to you is that you would memorize this. Challenge your kids to memorize this. Challenge your spouse to memorize this. 
challenge your friends in your small group to memorize this. You've got three weeks to do it. So put this little card in your car so you see it every day. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom. Put it somewhere that you see it. You go over it and you think about it. This is important. And the second challenge is I'm calling our entire church to go into a season of 21 days of prayer together. And so we've provided a resource for you to help you jumpstart that conversation and, and jumpstart that time in the Word of God and that prayer life. And so you can go to foothillschurch.com and click on sync on the homepage. It'll take you to a PDF that you can download, print off, put on your phone, or put uh, wherever that you can follow each day for the next 21 days through this series. It'll have a verse uh, that, you can, that you should read that will set your heart up to pray and begin to abide in the Lord like never before. It's going to jumpstart. I mean, hopefully you, you do even more than that, but that's a great place to start. And how cool is it to know that our entire church, thousands of us are reading the same scripture, praying the same things, asking God to do some incredible things in our church. Now, if you've never downloaded our, our FC app, uh, go on your device, go to the app store, search Foothills Church. You'll see us download that. And on the homepage of uh, our app is the word sync and the whole plan will be there as well. It's a great resource, by the way, if you don't have that. My heart, my prayer is that we would stop looking at prayer as something that we're, we're getting from God and start realizing that prayer is getting more of God. And so I wanna close today with the prayer of blessing upon our lives. Father, wow, your prayer, your scripture, your truth, God, it it invites us to a deeper relationship, one that abides in you. And Lord, we we want to seek you today with all of our heart. And we want to ask that you would take our prayer life to the next level, that you would equip us with a deeper understanding of your word. Take us to a deeper relationship with you. Lord, we are praying that that our hearts would turn from sin and, and turn to you. We're praying, God, that you would meet the needs that are in our life. So many needs in this room today. God, I know there are heavy hearts. There are things happening in in, in some folks' lives today, and they are crying out to you today. I pray you would would answer those prayers in your timing. God, help us to see these answered prayers. Help us to see these miracles. And God, we want to lift the name of Jesus up in our life. And so we connect to you today. We abide in you today. And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.